welcome to the Scottish Paranormal Podcast. I'm your host Chris and here we'll be delving into the multitude of strange occurrences that happen within Scotland and beyond. You can contact us with your accounts at the Scottish Paranormal Podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on all social media channels and you can contact us by either means. Um, I'd just like to welcome uh, Paul Hanon into, into the show for the Scottish Paranormal Podcast. Um, Paul basically runs the, the the Facebook site and obviously the Paranormal Investigation side there for uh, Scottish hauntings. Um, so if you want to just kind of uh, just welcome to the show, Paul. How's things all right? Yeah, not too bad. Thanks very much for inviting me. Yeah, more than welcome. More than welcome. So I just kind of, I like to kind of get an aspect on obviously um, different bits of the paranormal. I mean, some people lump it all together. You, you know yourself, you've probably got you know there's like a, a UFO camp, there's a, a, a ghost camp, there's um, the whole kind of everything kind of camp, paranormal-wise, um, demonology, all that kind of stuff. You know, it kind of, it's, it's kind of broad ranging, you know what I mean? It all intermixes, or I kind of think, anyway, you know what I mean? But um, that's what I want in my kind of taking it. But um, So what, what got you basically into the kind of paranormal side of things, and maybe even the, or if it was, Paranormal alone, or maybe just into the kind of the ghost side there. What was it? Can he spurred you on initially? Maybe when you get in here. Um, majority of the time it was when I was a laddie. My gran always said I was I would speak to somebody, and I think my folks probably said it was just a, one of your invisible friends type thing, eh? Mm-hmm. Um, but my gran always said I always spoke to someone, and it came more apparent when um all this history when I hit when I hit nineteen. My mum um, was taken into hospital with uh, pernicious anemia and her blood level was quite low. And before I got up to visit, she had actually died and been revived by the, you know, the pedals. Mm-hmm. And it was a bit of a scare for us because like there's me and my, my three brothers, Andrew, Craig and Christopher, um, we're all like, there's five years between me and Andrew and then down to Craig, there's a book, uh, nine and me, Christopher, it's 10. Mm-hmm. So, Christopher would have been the youngest time, he would have been nine year old. And for us all, I'm trying to keep my, my cool from my mum, my brothers, my dad. And my mum, as I say, she had, we just got told she had died and been brought back. Mm-hmm. And my mum was absolutely petrified. And um, she asked if I could stay with her mm-hmm. overnight. And at the time, it was old Falkirk Royal Infirmary at the time. And there wasn't any fears like just now with the COVID and all that stuff. But <laughs> back then it was like um, you had like to go to the back of the corridor to the television room and go out and have a cigarette for the patients and everything. You know, ah, I could remember all the days. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was allowed for me to stay. And I got to about, I can't remember, it was about quarter to 12 or something. My mum said she was feeling hungry. And I was allowed to go along to the, the snack, what they get a snack for her and come back. Mm-hmm. When I came back, my mum said she wasn't feeling right. And then all of a sudden, boom, she just started flatlining again. And I got up my nerves and shouting the nurses. Nurses came in, started working with my mum. Like, uh, and I was pushed out and said, right, go and sit in the TV room just now. We'll come and get you when everything's okay. Yep. So I remember going up to the TV room and there was an old woman sitting watching episode of Cornish Street or something. I can't remember exactly what was on, but it was one of these these TV programmes like EastEnders or Cornish Street was on the television. One of the four channels. Uh, aye, one of the four channels, exactly. One of the four channels, maybe even three. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I remember sitting down and then I'm, I'm really, at this point, I remember I was like welling up. I was really getting, I was really quite frightened because I thought I was losing my mum. 
And this woman turned around and says, you okay, son? And I'm like, yeah, and started talking to me and reassuring me and everything. And it wasn't until the next day when, before the nurses came back, I realised that the woman turned around to me and said, don't worry, Sandra, who my mum, that's my mum's name. Mm-hmm. Sandra will be fine. She'll, she's, a, she's a fighter like the rest of us. And, and I thought, didn't think nothing of it at the time. And I remember getting the nurse come in and saying, no, you can come back now. This was about after about 45 minutes or an hour or something like that. It was ages. And I was getting quite bored of the TV, to be honest, as well. But the wee old woman was really quite nice to me. And I remember getting back to the room. My mum was sitting up and she was apologising for what had happened and reassuring her and all that. And next game morning, uh, I go. I was staying with my gran at the time um, because I moved out with my mum and dad. And I was staying with my gran to keep her company. And I remember going home and I, I said to my gran, I goes, what had happened, and my gran goes, she okay? And I goes, aye. I goes, there was a wee old woman that gave me reassurance, though, like, yeah, she was really quite nice to us. And my gran says, well, that was really nice. And I explained what had happened. She goes, she take up a bunch of flowers up and say thank you to her. So next game, uh, later on that afternoon, so I went for a sleep. Well, my gran said, I went and got a bunch of flowers, went up. And I remember the nurse that came and got me was there, and I says, I go, you couldn't do me a favour. Can you point me out to this woman that was I was sitting with when you came and got me? My mum, Ken, basically died and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And she says, you were on your own. What are you talking about? And I goes, no, I was sitting with this old woman. I, I described this woman down to the, the last detail. Yeah. And the woman says, no, I'm telling you, you were on your own. There was nobody there with you. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying, look, I was sitting there with this woman. You know, and she's like... But I'm telling you, she goes, even though I've been on night shift, I've been working a lot, I goes, I can tell you were sitting there on your own. There was nobody else there. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, seriously? And she goes, if you want, go up the ward and have a look. So I went, I could not see this woman in this ward. Right? Mm-hmm. And when I went back, I told my gran. My gran goes, describe this woman. So I described her. My gran says, well, that sounds like my granny. Can her gran? Aye. Honestly, she goes, aye. She goes, aye. but couldn't it be an aunt? Then I realised, I goes, but wait a minute, she did say, Sandra will be okay. She's like us. She's a fighter. Mm-hmm. And then it got me thinking, and I said to my grand, my grand goes, you always could see people, Ken. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? And she told me about a time when I went up to our broth fair, because my grand's from our broth, that's her hometown. Aye. And she says, we were down at Victoria Park, and you were playing on the swings, and then you stopped, and you're chatting away to someone. And then when you came, when you came across, you told us you're talking to your wee friend, this, this wee boy. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, did I? <laughs> and then she'd start rhyming off all this stuff. And and I, I could remember when I was younger, like, hey, I'm thinking, well, I, I used to remember seeing people talk away, but I just see them as normal people, you know, everyday person. That's the, that's the thing trying to differentiate yeah. at that age, you know what I mean? Aye. 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 But, um, but then it got me more interested, like, well, how did this happen? And then I remember going to my friend to see a, um, a a medium like eh? and then mm-hmm. they told they told all these people like this and that and that and this and the people saying it like oh that was spot on that was great and it, I think I went twice and the second time they came up to me and told me stuff and it, I didn't realize I didn't know anything of it they were telling me I didn't know if it was right or not yeah uh, it wasn't until I went home and said to my gran again my gran was like yep that's correct that's right that's this that's this and then I just after that I just got so interested in the paranormal and then you get programs. I remember it was a, a mock thing from BBC One with, um, oh, what was it called? Was it Mr. Pipes or something about a family in a home that were getting um, scared by this ghost in the house? It was a, um, oh, I can't remember. The, the, it was on BBC One years ago. 
Renegost, was that was it Renegost? No, no, that was that older. It was made to be look like an actual like documentary on BBC One a live thing, live show. And I think um, Sarah Green was in it. Right. And uh, her husband was on this program. Mm -hmm. And I remember seeing that and it got me more and more interested, even though I knew that that was all fake. It was all faked up. Yeah. But then lo and behold, like a lot of people say that it's all fake as well, like most haunted. And I kind of agree because most haunted did start showing a bit more fakery as it went on. Mm-hmm. And but if it wasn't for most haunted, I don't think a lot of us would have been actually wanting to do ghost hunting yeah. because of them, like because I think they set the benchmark and then other people went and done it. Oh, well, did I get in trouble with saying it, but going out and doing it right, you know, aye. And aye. properly. No, and no, no shouting about Mary Loves Dick, <laughs> exactly. But no, it was, it's, it's just. That just got me so interested. And then after that, I went a few paranormal uh, investigations with a few groups. Mm-hmm. And um, I made a group up. Well, when I say I made a group up, my friend made a group up. I joined them. Mm-hmm. It didn't work out. And then the rest is history. I just um, I met a guy called Steve Watson uh, from Newcastle. And he, he's got a, a big uh, um, group called Ghost Northeast. And I met him at one of his ghost hunts and he came across and sat and spoke to us like like I was important to him, like hey, because I was his guest. Aye. And there was like other folk there as well. We went around and spoke to every one of them at break time. And he asked us hey, about the travel down to Scotland, what we'd done and everything. I explained to him that we had a ghost hunting team. And then he said, Right, why don't we do a ghost hunting team in Scotland? You can head it. And he funded everything. And He's still my friend to this day, and we still I still go back and forth and help him when I can. And he was the one that got me started and up and running. We go that was go Scotland at the time. Yeah. And then he decided that wasn't working out, and he says, "Look, try it on your own two feet. See if you can get it up and running better than what I can mm-hmm. up in Scotland, because you'll know the area better. And all the equipment, keep it, and it's an investment for you. Mm-hmm. And." Cool. Uh, then we just said the Scottish hauntings and the rest is history. Went for there. I yeah. mean, it must have been a it must have been a scary time for you. you know what I mean, with your mum. I mean, regardless, obviously the ghost type thing. You know what I mean? But um, we, we're going through that, and obviously with your mum as well. You know what I mean? It's just uh, it must have been kind of a horrific time for you. I mean, but go, going back to obviously seeing seeing the apparition, the old lady in the room and stuff. Yeah. Right? Um, so when, when your grand said to you, you used to see things as a child, um, how what kind of age do you reckon that kind of started for yourself? Um, the earliest I can remember would be about five um, school time, because um, I remember when I was five, I went to a brothel with my grand, and that's when she remembered me speaking to a wee boy at this uh, swing park in our broth. Mm-hmm. And then there was various other times up until probably high school um, that I'd speak or I'll say, oh, I just spoke to this person. My gran will say that there was nobody there and, or this person will say there was nobody there. I'm going to describe them to my gran. My gran knew exactly who they were. Mm-hmm. Um, my mum and dad, um, my dad never really, he always said he was a sceptic, never believed at all until, well, my dad passed away last year. Mm-hmm. But few about maybe three four five years beforehand you started getting more and more interested in the paranormal side of things like going to see mediums and 
that side of things and um, sitting in um, when he's going to a, a mediumship tonight, um, they'd have maybe a workshop after it and free to public to come and join after the shoot ten main performance. Yeah, and yeah. my dad would love to sit back and just see how they do it and how they tune in type things like that. Nice. But before that, I've never known my mum or dad to actually say anything about anything that I've come forward with or I've said, I've seen, or mm-hmm. this has happened or that's happened, you know. And but it's always been, it's always my gran that always said to me, you know, mm-hmm. when you were this age, it was like this. And I can remember five year olds, as I say, one of them was the, the Victoria Park in our broth when I was speaking to you boy. So. Well, I, we must have crossed paths at some point. I mean, I used to go to our, uh, our broth my holidays every year when I was younger. <laughs> <laughs> so the red line site. And yeah. yeah. This <laughs> so, is uh, <laughs> uh, so it should have been there. But I, it's, it's interesting because it's like, I don't know, my, my take on it is with that, I think a lot of, a lot of kids see stuff in, in fair and early age and then they lose it at some point and some still keep it. I, I do think that. And it's it's like, um, I, I think we're... I, probably, I think there's probably a thing where kids, when kids are younger and they see stuff, they might not understand what it is and just think it's part of the reality because they're not really in tune with the reality yet, if you know what I mean, because they're still learning what everything is. And then when they get to a certain age, they potentially kind of forget it or whatever. But I do think a lot of kids are, are kind of like that and they're tuned to stuff and, and do that. You know what I mean, it's like when I was younger, I had the same, the same thing. You know what I mean? I had like, I used to see somebody in my room, same person all the time. And it used to totally freak my mum out. And I describe them and stuff like that. So I, it's like I, I, I kind of remember it personal, but uh, uh, it was like my mom and my, my sisters and that used to tell me that as well. But it's 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 pretty mad. Like, and I do believe that that kids have got some type of gift or, or something. I mean, maybe not every kid, but I do reckon a lot of kids have. No, yeah. I totally agree. Um, I, I've got to, I've I've always respected everybody's views and how they perceive the paranormal or spirit or whatever they may, whatever they want to call it all. Yeah, um, yeah. A lot of people believe that as well as when you're younger and you've gone to a, like, for example, my mum in the hospital, traumatic mm-hmm. effect. It may, that, yeah. I may have been just playing in my head mm-hmm. that that's happened, but the person was just as normal as a, like sitting next to somebody at a bus stop. Yeah. You know, it was yeah. that yeah. real, you know, and people say to me, no, because of this and because of that, fair enough, that's what they say, I'll, I'll take it on board, but I know what I saw that day, you know, and I and I never met my as I was saying, my grand said it was her grand. Aye. You know, and obviously I've never met her. <laughs> she, she was long gone before I came on this planet. Aye. Um but yeah, it was it was as I say, the, the actual word that when she said to me, Sandra will be okay, she's a fighter like us, you know, that I never clicked at a time. How do you know my mum? I never mentioned my mum's name. Aye. Aye. But you know, the last thing on your mind to think at that kind of point in time, aye, aye. exactly, exactly. Like, yeah. Yeah. No, it's, 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 it's a mad one, like, totally is. No, I mean, interesting story, though. Like, I mean, um, going with um, the ghost, ghost hunting aspect here, right, and like the paranormal, what, what kind of if you took it all for what you've what you've been interested in, no, I mean, I know obviously, like, you're, you're into the ghost hunting and stuff like that, but what, what kind of parts here? Draw, draws you the most I mean what do you go towards the most I mean out of the whole kind of paranormal aspect I mean um, at the very beginning I just wanted to see something to prove that what I'd seen that day mm. I could see somewhere else that it was going to happen again 
Um, and to be honest, it took a while because I said I went through uh, and I went on a couple of ghost hunts and different teams and things like that. Um, there was a one time I had an experience um, uh, in Morecambe, uh, Winter Garden Theatre. Mm-hmm. I had an experience there and I had an experience at um, Jedburgh Jail, just down in the borders as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I've only ever seen something once. And to be honest, this this day, I don't know actually if I actually seen it or if I just wanted to see it that badly that it happened, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't as sort of kind of in your face like the hospital time. Um, yeah. But when from, from the times when I went on different ghost hunts with different people, different groups, as I say, looking for it, I want to get that proof again. It suddenly became, and since I've done my own group now, it's I've got a guy in the team um, called uh, Carl Thomas. Um, he'll be glad that I've mentioned him now. Um, but he is um, history mad. He loves history. doesn't matter what type of history it is. Mm-hmm. He loves history. And he loves getting information. He's, he's like a sponge, you know, when it comes to getting these facts. And when we go somewhere, he's always finding facts about it, are either paranormal or just normal historical facts. Yeah. And when we go, we try and see now that, if I say, for example, there was Saturday we were down at Solway Air Aviation Museum yeah. down at Carlow Airport, and he knew some facts about things that happened. And if it happened on the night, he was like a light bulb just glowing up, you know, because he's something he's used to, but he never tell anybody else. He keeps it to himself. <laughs> so nowadays it's like we go out to some of these locations, some of the locations we've been to before, we know the history behind it, or... Yeah you'll know history behind some places because it's that historic. Um, so you try and not expect these things to happen. But nowadays it's like we go, we investigate, and we try and see what comes forward now. And if we get hits on the historical things, like Carl maybe say, or we'll talk to the owners, like we got uh, Mary, for example, data sitting on a bench. And if he can clarify that, that's something that all used to happen, then that's a hit for us. Mm-hmm. And it's it's proof. Uh, other things is just like, um, just like, for example, um, I'm trying to think of places I've been that can give this example. Um, like Jedburgh Jail. Um, yeah, yeah. A lot of people um, know about the battle between England and Scotland down there. So they expect to see a battle in the, in the jail, like a battle for this the old, the old castle that used to be there. Yeah. Or a prisoner just to appear, mm-hmm. you know, um, where they could have something like maybe a wee girl just suddenly appears somewhere, you know, rather yeah. than, you know, the, the obvious thing they're looking for. And it's it's hard to try and deviate from one to the other sometimes, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I go on the ghost hunts now, when I, when I try and look for a place, I try and see if it has got history. And I'll speak to Carl and then... He'll look in the history and you'll let us kind of, it's like, yep, that's fully stuff. Let's go for it, you know? And then I'll speak to the other guy and I'll say, look, we're going to go in this place. What do you think? And then we go for it. But as I say, it's it used to be the fact that I just wanted to see something happen. I wanted to see proof. Yeah, now yeah. it's just to uh, see if everything ties in with what's with that building or area at a time. Yeah, yeah. No, I understand that. Could, could you describe for the audience what, what you would... What's the kind of normal run for the course? What you would maybe do in an investigation, maybe leading up to it and any kind of journey and stuff like that, and maybe even after. Normally, what we'll do is, like, for example, as I say, I just went to the aviation museum down in Carlisle. So, what I've done is I researched it and I found out a lot of like 
that one there, I know not a lot of groups had actually went to that one. And I seen it advertised mm-hmm. and I thought, I'm going to look into this. So I looked into it and I found out that um, where it was based, um, all these old aircrafts. And I know for a lot of people believe that a lot of um, like vehicles, aircrafts, for example, down there, a lot of residual energy will still be in there. Like the mm-hmm. like a, a tape recorder effect, it just keeps them replaying itself because yeah. uh, something's attached to it. Or it might just be the fact that um, the, the ground itself's haunted. Because I know that it was that used to be a, um, a, a military um, a hospital-type base. It used to have a lot of injured coming into that place. Mm-hmm. And as I say, this is things that I would get help, get help with Carl as well to find out information about it. And then I would organise an actual visit. So I get a tour with the guy that's going to be in charge. Mm-hmm. Now, on this visit, um, we had a guy called Doogie, that's the caretaker down there, and he gave us a tour of everything, and he, he actually he went into detail with a lot of stuff, and he explained that on visits, these guys have came along before you, they've got this here, and they've got this there, and things like that, and then there was even one point he turned around and says, wait till I show you this, and I'm thinking, oh, what is it? And he goes, oh, you'll love it. And he came t- 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 down his corridor. <laughs> and I had my wife, my daughter, and my niece with me. They did that day, like, okay, for a day out. And he goes, this will blow your mind. He goes, in there. And I'm like, so I went in, and there was a shower, and it wasn't completed. And I'm like, mm, what is it? <laughs> and he's like, that place, that, that shower's haunted. And I'm like, is it? <laughs> and I didn't know what, how to respond to that, you know? It's like, I just had to say... Good to know. We'll have to investigate that on the night. Aye, aye. <laughs> but, but he was more excited about the shower than anything else. <laughs> but um, even there was a guy. There's a guy on the team called um, Kenny Gray, um, who is actually a medium as well. Yeah. And he had actually been to the site before I'd even visited it. He had been with a ghost hunting team a few years back, and he had said, "He goes, I'll not tell you what happened in the place, but I can tell you something that's really active." Mm-hmm. He goes. And I'll not tell you what we've got on the night. We'll see if it comes again when we go down to visit. So basically, as I say, we've got people that already know the history of the place. Yeah. Um, Carl, as I say, looks into more background into the, the place and even to the point where he'll try and get more information on like the, the artifacts that's on site as well, like some of the planes I've got. Yeah. Um, and then, as I say, I'll, I'll make a visit so I can get a, a layout of the, the, the place as well. Now, before... COVID, I would be doing it as a um, expecting 24 members of the public coming down. Yeah. Um, so I'd have to think about what we're going to do in each location. Whereas this visit, it was just mostly a team and some friends and family that was come down. Mm-hmm. And we just had like, there was three buildings to investigate and an aeroplane, right? which was I've never investigated on an airplane before, and mm. it was fantastic. And I will say it was on ground at all times as well. Aye. Uh, so when we got down in the night, we had we split everybody into three groups, and also um, there was me, my friend John Wallace, um, uh, who's part of the team, and Carl Thomas as well. We decided to go and do uh, like live recordings via Facebook through mm. the night, and we just basically you spend like say 45 minutes one location and then we'll call to switch so we just move around to the next so we, everybody gets a chance to investigate in each location yeah and when i was doing the public nights it was the same thing we had so many minutes in each location and we'd move around 
you know, and it gives everybody a chance to try something in each location. Fair enough, on a public night, we'd have like uh, a, a, an actual experiment for each location to be tried. But we always say to the guests, you've paid to come along. We're just going to guide you. It's your night. Do what you want within reason and respecting the building at the same time. So that would be the whole run of the thing. And then after it, we'll collect evidence that we get if we've got any photographs. Um, we'd have trap cams on site as well. Um, we would have any things that's happened, people remember and we'll drop down and then we'll collaborate that and see if we get the same thing happen a second time we go along. Yeah. Um, we used to do a, um, a, a big report on each night and hand it back to the place we booked from. Um, but as I say, with COVID and that, it's kind of stung that in the tail a bit and we just want to go and investigate now. So, And uh, quite a lot of these places open to the idea of people kind of renting the place out for a night or whatever else and doing these kind of things, aye? A lot of places are because it's like a second income to help. Um, right. Like, um, I don't know if you've heard of Bannockburn House just off the... Yeah, I've heard of it, um, I'm actually a volunteer there now as well, and I, I help um, steward nights for when they're doing like um, paranormal nights for their teams. Right. And when that first um, became, um, what you call it, they're trying to raise funds to try and take over the house, the friends of Bannockburn House, um, or the locals and that, um, I went along to visit the chairperson and a couple of other board members of this fundraising group. Yeah. And... I said to him about doing a, a ghost hunt and I was in there for about an hour getting bombarded with all these different questions about, will it do this? Will it do that? Will, will this happen? Will this happen? And I think <laughs> some of them just wanted to know that you're not going to open a portal to hell and release the devil himself, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, is it, but, what is that a seance or what? <laughs> are you going to be dancing about around a bonfire and all this stuff? Like, mm. no. um, the one thing that a lot of people always ask is, will you be using a Ouija board? And that's the big thing. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people don't like the Ouija board, but they want to know that there's an option there to use it. And me personally, I don't, I think it's just a, it's a gimmick, you know. It's Hasbro brought it out for to use for children over the age of eight. Mm-hmm. And it's still to this day, and, and somebody over the age of eight can go into a shop and buy one. <laughs> you know? So to say it's going to be scary, and it's, 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 to me, it's just a, a gimmick. The other people, they may believe it's something more sinister, fair enough. The movies that collaborate with our stuff with the Ouija board as, as well doesn't give it too much credit either. But yeah. Um but yeah, that's most of what happens when I go along to the places. They'll 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 sit down and they'll grill me sometimes for a wee while. <laughs> it's quite interesting. Uh, yeah. what's gonna happen. Um and then they'll take it on board. But like as I say, Bannockburn House, when I explain to them, look we could do a fundraiser for these. So we could sell tickets to the general public and 100% of that money would come straight to the house. And I've done some that for them as well, like saying if we sell tickets at £30 a head, mm-hmm. 24 guests, the, the money's going to be phenomenal for you coming in. We could do it three times a year. And mm-hmm. I think that kind of sold it and then opened it up to everybody <laughs> after that because they realised the funds coming in, we're going yeah. to help them restore the house and they've done a fantastic job with the house just now uh, for all the different bits and bobs they're doing um, uh, with that. Um, other places like um, the Black Watch, the Black Watch Castle in Perth. Mm-hmm. Um, me and my friend, me and my friend John Wallace again and my son, we went up to visit. Uh, we got a tour and everything 
in the building, got told this is where you can investigate, you can investigate here. And then we sat down, discussed what we would do and asked them what we would want us to do. And everyone was going quite, wrote, kind of quite peachy until about three days later, one of the people that ran the castle turned around and said, no, we didn't want to do it because they could bring ghosts forward and then it could upset the business. <laughs> I thought, well, at the end of the day, it's, if that's what they want to say, they don't want to do it because of that. I'm not going to start my feet and go in the huff. No, yeah. If there is any ghost there, it's going to do something anyway, regardless Aye. if it does or not. But <laughs> you did get places. And then um, there was one interesting email I got back from, um, okay, I can't remember where it's for now. Uh, my emails are always the same. It's the same type email I send to everybody. It's always polite and proper because my pal John, uh, he always, Dots the dots the eyes and uh, things the T's and that okay for making it all okay, and it's always the same email we send out. And this guy, we sometimes get back saying, "We're interested. How about you come and visit? And we'll have a sit down and chat. Or can you tell us more information about what you propose to do?" This one person sent back and said, "No for us. Bye." That was it, you know. So we kind of win them all, you know. It's it's a lot of places think it's going to bring badness to the. The, the buildings or the premises, you know, so we just have to go with it at the end of the day and just accept what they want or don't want, you know, so. Is, is there any places that you want to, you would really, really like to do an investigation that you can't, I suppose there's probably quite a lot, right, but is there any one that's on your bucket list you want to do within Scotland that you can't get into? Um, I think the obvious ones would be Stirling and Edinburgh Castle, hmm. um, but um, I, I think I actually... I think I actually applied for, I can't remember if it's a borough house next to Stirling Castle. It's just across from the castle entrance. Mm-hmm. There's a, a building. And they were wanting about two and a half thousand just for um, nine o'clock till 12. And we weren't allowed to take pictures and we weren't allowed to video, <laughs> you know. And then on top of that, um, and it was the same with Black Nest Castle, on top of the, the actual fee they wanted, which was outrageous. Mm-hmm. Um, they wanted us to pay time and a half to the employee that was going to look after us in the night. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but these places, I would love to do like a proper big castle like Stirling or Edinburgh, um, knowing all the history in the place. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's there's probably been a few other places up and down the country that I'm thinking I'd love to go in there, but um, I've been turned down already. Uh, I can't think any, but the top two would probably, like anybody else, I think, would be still in the Edinburgh Castle. Yeah, yeah. Also, well, what's the all the investigations you've done? What's kind of been the most validating one for these? Uh, I think there's been about three. I would say that would be that's never. I, I always use the word "never let us down," but it's, I don't think I should use that because it's. Yeah. I think I should probably use it's there's always been activity in the place that's left the the general public that when I've done public nights in these areas wanting to come back for more, no matter how much it costs. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that's Nidra Street Vaults in Edinburgh, mm-hmm. um, the Jedburgh Jail down in the borders, and also Bannockburn House, like I've mentioned already. Um there was a a time when I was a book Bannockburn House to do a fun, not was a fundraiser, it was a private event for us all, um, just selling tickets to the public, and it sold out within about seventy-two hours. And this person had emailed me saying, "Is there any tickets left for Bannockburn House?" And I'm sorry, it sold out. You know, it sold out quite quick. 
I goes, but if you want, I can put you on a wee list. And if anybody decides that they don't want their ticket, I'll give you first refusal. Yeah. He says, look, if you can squeeze us in, I'm willing to pay treble the fee. <laughs> <laughs> now, I could have went ching, 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 <laughs> and you come. <laughs> but no, it's, we set it to 24 for a reason, so it's more manageable, you know. So we yeah. split up over the night to manageable groups. Plus, if you've got too many folk in there, the chances of getting anything happening will be basically obscured by noise from everybody that's in the area at the time, you know. So, but these three places, Nidra Street Vaults, Jedburgh Jail, and Bannockburn House, have always been places that I've always had guests when it's sold out begging me for tickets. Does, does the number always stay the same, or does it um, differentiate between what location you're at? In regards to the size of it and stuff, or is that, is that kind of a good number for the places that you mentioned? Yeah, I think usually it's always been 24 for any location we go to. Um, I think there's only been once I've changed it to um, 32 guests, and that was at Bonest Town Hall because I've got more area to spread out. Yeah. And I had uh, more team members to help make that happen as well. And on that night, it was a fundraiser for the charity because. When people buy their tickets, it's fair enough to pay a fee, maybe £20 to about £35, £40, depending on where we are. Yeah. And that money goes to hiring the place, the insurance we have to pay, um, the equipment we've got or replacement of the equipment. Tea, we used to have tea and coffee as well, so it went to that as well. And then whatever was left went to charity, you know, because we always had a charity of the year. So mm-hmm. this one particular night we had, it was a bonus town hall, we had 32 people because we knew it was going to be for the charity. And it was £20 a ticket, I think, as well. So it was a fair bit of money that was coming for charity. And plus, we had raffle on the night as well for wee prizes. And that generated more money for the, the ticket, uh, for the charity. Mm-hmm. And then you always had the charity of the year's bin for the any donation, loose change and things like that as well. Mm-hmm. So bonus, I think, there's, there was just that one occasion we went above the 24. But 24 has always been where we see that that's it. There is some locations where we have to go lower because of the size of the area, the size of the premises, we have to go lower than the guests. But 24 has always been where we draw the line. So what's the what's the absolute kind of strangest one you've you've been to? Um personally on my years or within Scottish Hauntons? I'd say within Scottish Hauntons, and maybe even if you want to kind of divulge into other ones, it's fine to there. Um, so in Scottish hauntings, I think one of the strangest ones we've done was, or things that happened on the night was um, Nidra Street Vaults. Mm-hmm. Um, Nidra Street Vaults, um, as a lot of people probably know, it's, it's basically uh, underneath the, um, the South Bridge in Edinburgh. And it's yeah. built into it because of the way it's, the, the tenements have been built up the side of the bridge. It's a, a catacomb that's in between them. Yeah. And, there is, um, when you're in the vaults, there is nightclubs and some pubs either side. You can hear them banging through the walls of the sound, you know. And when you go in at midnight, until at least sometimes the guy, I remember the first time we'd done it, the guy says to us, um, if they're having a good night, that music will play until about three in the morning. If that's quite a quiet night, it will stop maybe two, mm. something like that. Uh, and yeah, it did. It went on to about two o'clock, but it didn't even disturb the atmosphere of the, the investigation. I always thought when we heard this music banging away, mm-hmm. folk were probably complaining, oh, this is a waste of time and everything. But no, it was everyone was going really quite well. Everybody was like fascinated in what was happening. Mm-hmm. Now, what we always done, um, going back to 
um, my friend Steve Watson that owns Ghost Northeast, he when he taught me how to run the nights, you always had the guests coming in for nine o'clock. And at nine o'clock, you'd done a, a meet and greet, basically just telling people um, this is what to expect, this is health and safety, what to put forward. We want you to understand the respect and the building, the people that's came with you and, and the, the team as well. And just going through everything possible to cover your backside on the night. And then usually about half past nine to about 10 o'clock, you've done this big call out with everybody in one location. Yeah. And I remember the the location that was picked in the industry vaults was the one with the, I don't know if you know the stone circles in the, the vault. No, 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 I've never been before. Um, in one of the vaults, there's the stone circle and the, they say that that's where the devils may appear if you stand in the middle of it and everything, you know, and mm-hmm. or something bad's going to happen to you. Um, there's a lot of different tales about what this stone circle was. And from what I've heard, that was someone had a laugh and made this circle themselves. And it doesn't mean nothing, but everybody's got their own take on it. Yeah. So this one room was uh, the choice for do this call out because everybody thought, well, there's a stone circle. Do the call out in there. So we have everybody stand in a big circle holding hands. Uh, and they always hold hands because, well, if anything touches them, they can. It's not the person next to them because they've got to hold of their hand, you know? Yeah. And I usually stand in the middle and would do a quick, what we call a blessing or a protection, because a lot of people want to be made feel safe as well. And then we'll go into the call out and just calling out for any spirits within that place to come forward, interact with us, pull at somebody's jump or push someone, whatnot, whatever it may happen. And this one particular night, this guy turned around, he was acting all big and macho, and he turned around and said, I don't know if you're right. And I says, what do you mean? I goes, do you want to leave and go and get some fresh air? I goes, you feeling sick? And he goes, no. He goes, I feel weird when I'm standing. I feel like somebody's trying to like push me out of the way. And I'm like, right. I goes, well, do you want to continue? Or are you? He goes, no, no, I'll be fine. And then it went on again. The same thing happened again. He says, no, I don't want to stand here anymore. And then across the, basically dagger across the other side of the room, this guy turned around and says, I'll swap with him. I'll not let anybody push me about. So they swapped. And this when this guy swapped, he's like, oh, I can see what you mean. Right? So when he swapped, he's, he's he left his wife behind or his girlfriend behind at the other side of the room. Yeah. And uh, he suddenly, he just, he's, his wife said his face has changed and everything, you know, it just, it not became someone else. It just started getting frightened, you know, you could see the fear in his face. Yeah. And I heard his wife saying, are you all right? I can't remember his name now, like, and I turned around and he goes, you all right, pal? And he goes, he goes, I don't know if you're right standing here. And I says, right, I goes, do you want to move again? Do you want to swap? He goes, no, no, he goes, I'll be fine. He goes, I'm, I'm not moving for anybody. I'm, I'm here to experience what I experience. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden he, he started really talking funny. And I'm like, pal, he goes, if you're going to fall or anything's going to happen, I'd rather get you out of here just now. I'd do the, the hub to get a drink of water or something or get you outside, get some fresh air. And it goes, actually, goes, I feel like my knees are going to give way. And this guy was a big guy, and there's no way I was going to catch him if he fell. <laughs> and I shouted to my, I was the first aider, and it was one of the guys on the team, it was his daughter, and she was only 18. And my sister-in-law was part of the team at the time, uh, Bernadette, she said, I'll go out with him today. So... They went out to gear hand with this guy. The wife, the guy's wife went with them as well. 
And I said, right, we'll carry on. And all you heard was like, bang, right? And I shouted to Derek, I goes, right, go and you go out and see and I'll continue. Because next minute Alana comes around the first aider, she goes, I need something to give my hand, get this guy back up, he's fell on the flare. Right? So Derek went out and everybody was like, oh, and Ken panic. And I goes, right, come on. And I tried to get everybody back together. So he's like, we'll keep going. Let everybody else, them deal with that. We'll be okay. And you heard the woman crying, the wife crying. She was actually in tears because he had actually face-planted the floor, Oof. right? And it came to, because you could hear him starting to talk, and then Derek goes, right, pal, come on, we're going to get you outside. Can you walk all right? And goes, oh, right? And next minute, they disappeared. There's no sound because they're going outside. Yeah. It wasn't until we stopped, Derek came back in and says, the guy had face-planted the flare, he didn't even know where he was. He went to go outside. He didn't even care he was in the vaults. He just didn't know he was there. He, when he go outside, he's like, what happened? And he goes, you face, you fell in the flare in, in the vaults, pal. And he goes, but I've not been in the vaults yet. And he goes, you were in the vaults the other now. And he had no memory and recollection of what had happened. Mm-hmm. And he's like, he goes, he goes, you know, son, the he, back of my head's throbbing. You know, mm-hmm. and and his wife, Derek's kept on saying, he goes, his wife was in tears. I had to try and calm her down and reassure him. The front of him was all soaking wet because the vaults, they get wet because of the, the rain and everything. Yeah, yeah. And, and the guy just kept on saying, but I can't remember being in the vaults. I've not been in the vaults. What he's talking about? Mm-hmm. You know, he goes, I've never been in. He goes, we're here to start the night. And Derek goes, pal, he goes, you've been in, you've fell face first into the, the floor. He goes, you've just knocked yourself out, you've got maybe concussion, we better get you an ambulance or something. The guy goes, no, no, he goes, I think it's all talking weird. Ken. And then his wife says, we'll just get him home, Ken. And uh, it wasn't until a wee bit later on, I found out that um, one of the tours, the uh, guides that work in the place, where we were would have been the um, bar area of what used to be the pub in the place. And at the back in the days. And if you want to put a jigsaw piece together and try and get one on one to make two, right? right? Or just be far fetched about it, you could say that, well, in that day, Burke and Hare used to pray in their victims in the pub. They used to get them drunk, they'd take them outside, they would club them, kill them, take them to Dr. Knox. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until somebody said that to me, I thought, you know, if we, that could be plausible, you know, I, I don't know. And it was just, and then after that, there was somebody else saying that they kept on seeing a shadow behind the guy before he actually became the well. Mm-hmm. That kept on moving back and forward. And everything just started, as I say, you can make it fit if you wanted to, or folk would think, like, they're being a bit far-fetched there, you know, but it just seemed quite weird how that was the, the hunting place for the famous two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And this guy's experienced feeling uneasy uh, and then getting knocked to the floor face first first mm-hmm. yeah and that was just pretty weird and then to make it even better there was another incident that happened on the same night where uh, this woman who was uh, she'd come up for Newcastle or somewhere further down south and she came up with her pal and the pal was quite boisterous throughout the whole night whereas the friend was quite quiet. She was like a mouse and she was just there to observe, basically. Mm-hmm. But as the night went on, it was like the roles uh, reversed between the two of them. 
the quiet one became more vocal and she kept on staring at folk and saying things to them and her accent had actually changed to pure Scottish as well. Mm-hmm. And at first, my one of the team leaders were looking after that group thought she was putting it on. Yeah. Until the friend got really worried and started saying, why are you talking this way? Ken, what are you all about? And then she started saying things about one of the guests, saying, you're nothing but a dirty so-and-so like. Uh-huh. And this guy's like, what are you talking about? You know? <laughs> and then... <laughs> She goes, you'll be caught out, you'll be caught out, what you've done to your poor woman. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's like, what the hell is going on here? Again, and then the friend does say she's getting more frantic about this woman that's usually quite quiet. And then the woman's accusing this guy he's sleeping around. You know, and it's like, Ken, we need to calm this down here. Like, <laughs> So the friend turned around and said, right, I'm taking her home, we're going back to the digs, and then we're ending the night now. And they'd only been in for about two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. a six hour event and again when they go outside the woman's like why are we standing outside why are we not in the vaults she goes because you're talking frantic and this time I witnessed this in my own eyes I'm saying you were accusing someone of sleeping around Aye. and she's like what are you talking about I've, I've, I've not spoken a word to anybody tonight mm-hmm. I goes I'm telling you I goes at the time I think we were recording it and we played it back to her and she goes, that's not me. And I goes, that's you speaking to that guy. She goes, that's not even my accent. And at this time, she's speaking in her normal local accent for where she came from. Mm-hmm. And I said, you're accusing the guy of sleeping around. And she's like, I never said nothing to anybody. And she was like trying to apologize. And I thought, I go, it's all right. And I goes, look, if you don't want to come back and you come back in. But by this time, the other friend had done enough. She was, she was actually petrified because it was happened to her friend. Mm-hmm. And she says, now we're going home. And I thought, right, fair enough. I thought, well, we've got a bad review here, like, again, that's <laughs> poor lassie. But then it turned out that the guy had actually been sleeping around behind his partner's back. <laughs> and he admitted it in the vault. <laughs> I thought, then it was like, what the hell has happened that's here? Totally you know? Mad, right? so we went for a guy face planting the, the floor, this woman picking up this Scottish accent accusing this guy of doing something and the guy coming clean because he was petrified of what happened. <laughs> you know, it was, it was bizarre. It really was bizarre. What, what overall stories, like ghost stories or stories that are paranormal would play on your mind the most? I mean, what would keep you up at night? Uh, I don't know. Um, I've done that many ghost hunts and I've had, that, I've had a few things that's happened to me that I would think would keep me up at night, and it hasn't. I think my daughter, she started coming along to the, when we do private events, mm-hmm. um, because in public events, we can't have anybody under the age of 16 come along, unless accompanied by um, a, a parent or guardian, like, uh, um, but it's purely just 16 and over. My daughter, she's 15, and I suppose if I seen anything happen to her, I would probably, I, I, pro- I don't know how I'd react, you know, as, because it's your own child, like, eh? Oh, totally. She's, um, as I say, she's really getting into it. She loves it. And I, if I seen anything happen to her or upset her, I think that would probably play in my mind eh, mm-hmm. a lot more. But on events, I've had, I've done various different um, lone vigils myself and that and things that have happened to me and mm-hmm. uh, that, I it scared me at the time, but I just want to, I want more, you know, <laughs> rather than anything else. But no, I, I suppose if, 
if it's him, that's just a ham. It's probably something happened to one of my, my, my kids. My son, he's had um, scratches down his back at location before. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, that's nothing to me at the end of the day. It's just scratches. Uh, but if it's something that's going to cause him more physical harm than just a, a few scratches that's going to heal over time, then mm-hmm. I, I think that would probably play my mind more. But nothing yet, I would say, that's happened. You know? You'd mentioned before about the residual energy. I mean, so there must, like, I, I know there isn't, I mean, but mainly for the audience fact, like, so in, in regards to, like, ghost entities, stuff like that, what different types do you reckon you come across and stuff like in, in regards to, so you maybe refer to one, it's got, it could be residual energy, like a tape plane. What other kind of forces or, or entities in that do these come across or that you can, Maybe we'll talk about in regards to stories and that, but I mean, just what, what you potentially could expect to find places. Um, well, so far, as I said, we've came across like um, things repeating itself. Um, like, for example, the is it the stone tape theory? It's called, I think it's called, um, where it's like an event that's happened that's embedded into the place, so it'll just keep playing over and over again. Yeah. Um, maybe not in demand, but it'll just pop up every so often. Like, you might go to like a theatre. And you'll see someone doing something on the stage and then disappearing. And yeah. then about a year later, you'll go back to that same theatre and you'll see it again. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's it's just something that's playing in a loophole. Um, a lot of people believe that that's something that's somebody that's came to a, a sinister death that are going back to something that was more happy for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're just replaying that over. Or it might be like if somebody's had their life taken. You know, some people have said they've seen someone fighting and then getting stabbed and then disappearing. It's nice. probably the last thing that's ever happened that's getting played over and over again. Um, the other thing we've had happen is we've had some, um, um, like, uh, what do you call it? The, um, I've forgotten the name of it. Um, like things getting thrown and things like that. They pull oh, against type thing. Aye, pull against type stuff. Um, we've had that happen before, um, which is, is quite good when it happens on cue as well, when you ask for something to happen, and then it happens and you get 24-plus guests jumping in the air, <laughs> <laughs> including me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, I think demonstrating that, Bannerburn House, we're doing a big call-out in the main entrance. It's a big open entrance where it's like banisters around the top. Yeah. You can look over the banister and down the main foyer. And we're all around the circle calling. I was calling out from the middle. and. All I said was, somebody saying, I can feel a draft behind me. Now, Bannerburn House is an old house, so you all get drafts now again. So usually I just like take it on board and think, that's great. And don't any disrespect by them saying, oh, totally. that's wind, Ken, you're talking crap. <laughs> um, but no, it's something that can be just, it could be something paranormal, don't know. <laughs> but nine times out of ten, it is just because it's an old house. But after she said that, I said, right, great, if you're making the, a draft behind the person here. Can you do something else? Can you bang on a table that's in the around about the room? Can you chap on a door? Can you chap on a window? Do anything for us. And just as I was about to finish that sentence, a cupboard door slammed shut. Mm-hmm. And it just happened, happened to be near someone that was like quite jumpish anyway. <laughs> and the whole the whole circle just kind of gave way and domino effect. <laughs> I was like they flew into the middle of the room where they thought it was safer. Um, there was one time where uh, I still I'm still t- I still talk to the woman yet, and I still have a laugh about it. 
a woman called Kelly, um, I can't remember her surname now, but she came to the investigation wrapped up warm because Bannockburn House, like I say, it can be quite cold at times. Mm-hmm. Um, and even during the summer, it can be quite cold. And you can sometimes go in there with like, ready for the going down the skiing down the Alps and Switzerland or something, you know. And she cut this big white hat on her head. And we're standing doing a call and I say, I, I usually say, like, if I can, somebody's a wee bit on edge, I'll say, go and give him a hug or something, or go and give him a wee push, just get it over and done with type thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can't remember what I said this night, but this woman, Kelly, screamed. And it was that type of scream that I absolutely froze in terror. I didn't know what had happened. And when I turned around, just like, my heart had just been ripped off my head. Mm-hmm. Right? And I'm saying, you sure it's not just fell off? And she's like, no. <laughs> and where she was standing, it was with three people down there. The heart was sitting on the floor, right? And the guys, two of the guys next to them said, well, I've never felt anybody let, let go hands to drip it off her head or herself take it off her head herself. Like, hey, we've all been still holding hands. But I did see something fly past me. <laughs> and when I went across, there was a footprint on the, the hat. <laughs> now, for the time it's came off her head and landed on the floor, and it's got a footprint on it. Now, when she came in, this hat was pure white or green, yeah. you know? And because of what happened, she wouldn't uh, touch the hat the rest of the night. She didn't want the hat. I ended up bringing the hat home with me. <laughs> <laughs> I kept the minder up by putting it on my head and taking a photograph and saying, see, it's, it's, it's all right. And this big dirty footprint on it, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I've still got the hat, but it's since been washed because my daughter chucked in the washing. <laughs> you know, so all the evidence has been rubbed off now. But um, yeah, so photographs, things like that happening. Um, We've had things, we've heard things like getting thrown, but can't determine where it's came from. And in, in any investigation, we sometimes have to like hope that the guests are not doing anything on towards that's going to interfere. But there has been times where we've been going around ourselves, like Bannockburn House, I'll, and I'm steward and I have to go around the whole house myself to make sure everything's secure. Mm-hmm. And there was a time I heard somebody walking behind me, and then a bit of woods came past me, you know, and I just thought, no, I'm gone. <laughs> I didn't even want to check behind me, even though I wanted that evidence myself, but that night, there was just, there was a near miss with this bit of wood, like, hey, and it was, nah, that's me, I'm away. Mm-hmm. Um, but other things that can happen is, we've had, like, um, like spirit interacting, mm-hmm. where, um, as I say, spirit of people believing it, like, as I say, I have to be respectful of people that I believe that sort of thing, mm-hmm. but get spirit interacting with things you're doing. It's like they're might think that we're the spirits and they're the real people type thing, as mm. somebody put out one day. And it's trying to get that balance between each other, trying to figure out who each other is. And mm. we're asking questions like, can you tap two for no, one for yes type thing. And since we've been doing the investigation, we started using, I don't know if you know, the boggle dice with the letters on it. You know, nope. the game, Boggle, it's, it's all these dice, it's any number that's got letters on it. And right. nowadays, yeah. when we're in location now, we'll ask questions mm-hmm. and we'll roll these dice on the table and see if it'll make a word to answer the question we've just asked. Mm-hmm. And we've had a lot of hits using that. Uh, if it's coincidence, I don't know, you know, but um, interaction with spirit and then this dice, a lot of people believe that it's a spirit manipulates the dice. And mm-hmm. also um, equipment like the Frank's box or mm-hmm. 
the spirit the speaker or whatever the ghost people. box and that and ah, the ghost box estes method and all that kind of stuff as well Aye. you know that um the frank's box can be quite good for listening as well um Recently, we've started using the Frank's box today, having it on our speaker so everybody can hear what's coming through. Um, it can be quite noisy and we can never, can never pick it up properly. Mm-hmm. We've started using headphones and having somebody blindfolded with headphones on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it sounds cancelling headphones so they can't hear everybody speaking, but also we'll sit further away from them mm-hmm. uh, and we'll say, look, whatever comes on that radio, say what you hear. And we'll ask questions out. And sometimes we're asking these questions out. The answer's getting relayed back. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's quite good. Um, but we're getting that as well. So, as I say, um, the stone tape theory, polargeist, um, residual, you know, it's all these different types of um, paranormal events we've had. But mm-hmm. I think I've only had twice where we've had something that some people have classed as demonic. Mm-hmm. Um We've heard, I think it was Jedward Jail, we heard a nasty growl, like a proper growl from, didn't even sound like a dog, you know? Yeah. And it was really quite nasty. And lo and behold, it wasn't picked up by a tape player. Mm-hmm. When we were, well, not tape player, but any sound recorder. Um, we heard everything else bar this growl, but four people in the same area heard this growl, mm-hmm. you know? And then I think it was Bonest Town Hall, um, we had a, a grill there as well, and a lot of people say it's demonic. I don't know if it is or not, or if it's mm. I don't know if it's if, as I say, spirit trying to communicate in another way. I don't know, so but it has been, uh, it's, I would say, them would be the majority of time we've get is like that. It's interesting, the whole kind of demonic thing as well, you know what I mean, and that. I mean, because you. That can be mixed into so much other other aspects of paranormal. You know what I mean, and as well as even like you probably know like the, the poltergeist aspect. Of it, you know I mean, you find that in every aspect of the paranormal stuff. Yeah, I mean, and it's a uh, it's 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 a, it's a mad one. I mean, it totally is. I mean, it's uh, it's I'm I'm really interested in stuff. I, I do I do believe in ghosts and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. the thing is, my regardless of the what the apparition would be, you know, that I'm more inclined to think, isn't you're talking about things like, why is it here? Well, I mean, no regards, no, no talking about like a, like a murder's happened or anything like that. It's doing the things like, what, what effects are, do you, like the basically geology makeup or why is it, what's the building makeup and why is it can record it? Why is it playing here? Why is it, why can it be here? Is it all to do with that? Is it the intent of the people? I mean, and I always see the thing as, we talked about there with the the Ouija board and that. I did, I do believe the, the Ouija board's got some aspect of it. I think it's mainly, I'd say, as the thing itself. I don't think it's like a, a thing. I think it's just all to do with the intent of the people. No, so it's like all to do with the intent, and that, that can be played out through all the different again aspect of like the the ghost box or the Ouija board or just even asking. You know what I mean? As well, it's it's, it's a mad one. I mean, get down to into all that. On, um, is is there anything is there anything that you've been to which is you've you've brought in in home with you like in the hitchhiker effect of the call it not I mean in regards to like the paranormal mm. stuff like latching onto you. There was a I keep going back to my friend Steve Watson who goes northeast. Um, he always said at the end of the night, and I I, I kind of stole it from him. Um, 
if anything could follow you home, I would have the most haunted house in Britain because <laughs> all the ghost hunts I do. And not once have I had anything come home with me. Mm-hmm. The only thing I bring home with me would be what I call a paranormal hangover. And uh, it's just it's just been drained. Um, Saturday there, I've been down at the Aviation Museum. Um, it was quite a, well, fair enough, it's it about an hour and 45 minutes drive from my house down there. Mm-hmm. But even come back and get home about half four in the morning, maybe, um, time I drop everybody off, um, I still got good enough sleep. But when I got up, it was I was so drained that I didn't want to, I could, well, not a case I didn't want to move, I just felt like I couldn't move. I was just so, mm. I just lifeless, you know, I just, and I just felt it. And it's always, if you've I've been to part of an investigation and I've had a good night, or anybody else had a good night, is when we feel it. Um, we get this thing nicknamed a paranormal hangover. Mm. And it's, I suppose it's the closest I'll get to having a hangover because I don't drink much now because <laughs> different things might be no well known again, eh? So, mm. um, it's the closest I'll get as a hangover, so I'll take it whenever I can, <laughs> you know, get that, that effect. But, but yeah, it's, that's the only thing I ever bring home with me, uh, apart from my son, uh, drop him off. <laughs> he, you, he usually annoys me. Do you think, but, like Scotland, um, in regards to like paranormal or ghosts or, or, or kind of the whole kind of mystery stuff, do you think Scotland's got, um, I can't have a more kind of rich aspect to it than other places? Because of the history and all that kind of stuff, or do you think everywhere's is abundance where? I would say basically everybody everywhere's got their own myths and legends and their ghost stories to for their area, their their countries and things like that. Like, uh, but I don't know. Scotland seems to stand out a lot more to a lot of people because you get a lot of tourists come across wanting the ghost hunts. So do you get that? Huh? Yeah. yeah. So I've had people come across. Um, that they were coming across for Australia one year. And they didn't book, they didn't come across just to book a ghost hunt with us. They was like, hey, they came across to kind to visit Scotland, but they dread about ghost hunts. So when they came across, they, booked, they managed to book a ghost hunt with us just by chance. Mm-hmm. And they loved it. And they came back the next game year to stay with their friends and family and came on and I go something else. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I've had people come in from, I've had a, somebody from Germany come across once. Um, to go hunt, uh, but usually it's I don't know. I think people it's, it's, it's good for Scotland because of the tourism, like hey, because a lot of people believe that there's a lot of history uh, yeah. paranormal in Scotland, so it, it's good that way. But I would say, if I'm going to be biased, I'll say Scotland's outclasses everywhere uh, when it comes to paranormal uh, activity. But everywhere's got their own myths and legends and ghost stories that you want to visit. Like, for example, I would love to go and if I go outside Scotland to visit somewhere to do a panel investigation, I would go to Alcatraz. Mm-hmm. I'd love to go there. Uh, the only problem with that is I hate flying, I hate going water, so getting there would be a bit of a problem. <laughs> but ghosts are the issue, but the water's, the water's a bit of an issue. Aye, water and flying. Like, things flying like and water. <laughs> you get like a, a hamburger and a drink of milk, I mean like BA and away in the plane. <laughs> like the A-team. <laughs> I mean... Aye. Have you ever have you ever looked into other parts of the paranormal uh, in regards to? I know obviously you're, you're focusing quite a lot of stuff on like ghost hunting and stuff like that. Have you ever looked at anything else? Um, no, really. Um, I, I have. Um, like for example, I've, I've listened to your podcast on like the UFOs, and I found it quite fascinating, you know. And mm. but sometimes I don't mean. I hope it's not going to come across negative here, but I don't really believe too much in UFOs unless it actually happens. 
mm-hmm. and I experienced it myself. Uh, which I could, that's that's actually, fair and understandable. To see, yeah. A funny story about it though is um, years ago, um, oh, my son must have been about four or five year old. I can't remember now. He was quite young, and me and my wife were staying in Grangemouth, yeah. and we were staying in uh, flats that was just along from the, the swimming baths. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember what we we're doing. I don't know if we we're out in the balcony just enjoying the the night. Evening night because it's quite a nice summer day. Like uh, I was there last night actually. Had the kids, the kids at Crab Magadan there last night. <laughs> um, but I it was um, we're in the flat. And we were three stories up in this flat. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a four story building, like, uh, and we're out in the balcony, I'm sure. And all of a sudden, I seen this white ball of light coming up across from. It was out in like where, where we were. It was like skin flats were straight off ahead of us, yeah. and then earth and things like that. So we're heading out that way to Stirling you can see and I just seen this ball of light come up and I'm like what the hell is that you know and I was bamboozled I didn't know what it was it wasn't a firework because it never exploded it just went up in the air and it was staying there and then it started moving you know mm-hmm. and I said to my wife I goes here yeah, do you see that and she's like I can see it clearly do you see what I'm seeing a ball of light and I'm like aye so it started moving right and then all of a sudden, this other one came up, right? And I'm like, this is really weird. And then the two of them were quite spaced out. And then the two of them came closer together. And then this other one came up, right? And I'm like, at this point, I'm getting really paranoid. I thought, actually, there was some sort of invasion here. Like, uh, So my wife said, you better phone the police. And I goes, the police going to think I'm a nutcase. You know, <laughs> <laughs> phone up, I'm seeing these lights in the sky, you know? But I phoned up, and uh, the, the action I got was, yeah, we're investigating it. We've had a few calls about it. All right. Mm-hmm. Right? And uh, I'm thinking, what the hell's happening here? And I think there must have been about six of these lights appeared all at once in the sky. And lo and behold, it was um, these paper lanterns that people were starting to use. It was the time when they started first getting used in Scotland. Ah, right, <laughs> people okay. were starting to use them. And I, I'd never seen them before. And it was just, <laughs> a lot of people must have been the same boat as me. Right, they've kind of, kindy, that's the thing. <laughs> I mean, they, they've kind of, there's been loads of UFO accounts and all that kind of stuff with the paper lanterns and, and things like that. But, I mean, there's, there's a, there are a vast amount of different stuff out there. But, I mean, it, there's, it's a, for what it is, for what it is, I mean, Nobody knows. I mean, if, if people like John Keel and, and Jack Valeno that kind of work out, I don't think I'm going to. <laughs> I mean, so, um, but I do believe in... I, my, I kind of believe, my belief on it is a lot of the paranormal does cross over and mix in. And I'm not saying it's aliens or whatever and, and stuff like that. Mm. Sometimes I, I, I kind of change my kind of thought on it. I mean, I'm doing the alien aspect of it anyway. I kind of think it's potentially something masking and something else. And, and that or what people perceive it to be and, and just in this time, you know what I mean, framing. But it's interesting some things when you get, I'm not going to kind of rabbit on about some of the stuff, but I mean, it's interesting when you get some things where um, people see these things and people do see them, you know what I mean, and and, and they get the whole kind of abduction scenario. And people dispel them way, be saying like Jesus' name and all that kind of stuff as if it's totally something else, you know what I mean? So... It's, it's totally interesting, though. I mean, it's a. Uh, I've got to when I listened to your podcast, um, I can't remember the guy's name now, but he was going on about the Bonnebridge, uh, the, the triangle or something. Aye, aye. Maybe Malcolm Robinson yeah. when he was on. Yeah, and well, lads, I stay about two minutes along the road from that area. Aye. And 
I remember the time when it was in the paper about UFOs being spotted. I'd, I've got to admit, at the time I'm like, well, I want to see something now myself. And I'd, I would watch this guy, you know. I, was, yeah. I wouldn't just dismiss it and say, oh, the guy's a freak and he's went mental. Or, <laughs> you know? But no, it was, I would I would think, well, everybody's got their own beliefs, you know. My beliefs are paranormal. Some folks believe it's UFOs. Some folks believe it's aliens. Mm-hmm. You know, some folks believe that Elvis is still eating hamburgers somewhere, you know. It's not it's, everybody's got their own beliefs, you know, and I respect everybody's. I'm the same. So, so like, only that, um, what, what kind of advice would you give somebody who is um, looking to get into ghost hunting? I would, if they've got a strong belief in it, I would recommend it. But go on, go on a, like, a bit more open, not just expecting everything's going to be paranormal. You know, My friend John Wallace is in the team. Um, he's as sceptic as, and he's really, really sceptic. He really is sceptic. And he'll rationalise everything, you know. Uh, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It's a good thing to have as well when you're on an investigation that he'll be able yeah. to say everybody else is panicking because something's happening. He can rationalise and say, like, wait a minute, let's see, was that this or was that that? It could be this. And then we'll suddenly debunk it after a wee bit. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's good having somebody to, like that to keep everybody else on on the flat surface again, not have them going jumping on the air, going yes, paranormal evidence like that's not. They have to be able to go in with open, open eyes and rationalise everything. And if they can't rationalise something that's happening, then fair enough, go mm. down that road. It's paranormal. Um, like what happened on Saturday, uh, we were in the like I said, we were investigating an aeroplane for the first time. Yeah, <laughs> I've never done it before, and the electrical equipment was going bonkers in this aeroplane. Now there's no source of electricity in this plane at all. It's dead as a doornail. Mm-hmm. And it's just an exhibition thing to go and view. And my friend John, who's as I say he's a skeptic, he was doing the YouTube, uh, no YouTube, he's doing the Facebook Live thing on the group page. All right, okay. And he was like, well, me and Carl had our phones on flight mode so there'd be no interference. But John obviously had to have it on uh, 5G, 4G, whatever it is, to get a signal to transmit it to the the chat that they had the Facebook page. And he's, he was saying, right, the reason it's gone mental is because of my phone, because we're recording and we're transmitting it live to Facebook. Mm-hmm. He goes, what? So he'd go close with his camera to the, the equipment and the equipment would stop. Everything that the equipment was doing, like the K2 meter's got a series of five lights that go from green to red. Red, well, it's a, what do you call it, an electrician's uh, device to find the electricity cables in the wall. Yeah, yeah. It tells them how deep in the, the wall these cables are. Um, so it would start with green, go up to red, and this thing would just suddenly stop flashing altogether. Carl had this um, other sensor that um, picks up electrical, electrical magnetic energy, and, like, and mm. it would go from green and it would flash red and make this noise when it was picking up something. Yeah, yeah. And it was going daft. And as soon as John went across with his phone, which was producing the things that would set these off, mm-hmm. it would just stop. And then when it moved further away, it would just start going mental again. And then we'd ask it, so we'll say, like, stop making the equipment go wild, just leave it alone, and it would just stop. Mm. And then we'd ask, can you make the equipment go again? And it would flash again. So these things that, as I say, thanks to, well, John, as I say, he comes on and he rationalizes everything. So that's what anybody that's going to do a ghost hunt or want to start their own team has to be aware that not everything's paranormal and they have to rationalize everything, even if it's 
something they've seen, and they're going to have to dump, debunk something they've seen as well. Yeah, totally. Huh? You know, so it's, it's best to do it that way. If they're going to do it with the public, um, prepare for anything, because <laughs> the public are just they're, they're mad. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know? Um, they, they want to do everything. They want to do loan vigils. They want to, like, be locked in a cellar, you know. <laughs> We've even got um, my friend Steve uh, gave us... Um, uh, military uh, issue body bag, right? yeah. and people want to lie in a body bag in a room on their own. You so know, that's kind of verging on fetishness. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's unbelievable what some of the public want to do, but yeah. um, but yeah, then have to make sure they research everything as well, so that when they collect evidence, try and see if they can back up with anything else to do with that area. So there's a lot involved, but in all it's like Saturday night, it was a great night out with my friends and that's on the team and some of their family and I you know it's it's always good a good night out, you know, as well. Have you have you ever done any and I'm normally talking about in like graveyards or anything like that, have you done any external investigations outside? I have um I, I have walked around Stirling Cemetery, uh, the one at the castle mm-hmm. and it's it's pretty weird. Um, when I say I've walked around, I've not walked around trying to get anything to happen, like an investigation or anything, just walking around the graveyard that time of night, see if anything would happen. Because a lot of people say that, oh, there'll be <clears throat> plenty of spirits at a graveyard. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've walked around still in the graveyard, I've maybe heard about two or three things happening, which I could explain to be maybe um, wind or wildlife or something like that's run about, you know, that's caused the yeah, yeah, things yeah. to happen. So I, I've, I've actually, as I say, I have walked around. There's a, a cemetery um, my, my mother-in-law's buried in. It's the Hills of Denny Pace Cemetery. Mm-hmm. Um, no far from Denny and Bonnybridge. And there's a, an old part to the cemetery. And I've got to admit, when it comes to cemeteries, I love cemeteries because of there's different um, history there, like people um, could be died a couple of centuries ago that's been buried in some of these cemeteries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of the headstones that people use as well can be quite beautiful. And at the end of the day, I'm, I'm trying not to be disrespectful to the people's last resting place, you know, and mm-hmm. I'm trying to be respectful. But I always want to see, you know, when you see big, massive burial plots, you, you're interested to see who's buried in these places. Mm-hmm. In the cemetery, as I say, there's an old part and I was looking at this, the headstone and this whole part was freezing cold. I don't know what it is. Sometimes I think cemeteries are always cold mm-hmm. and I couldn't see something on the, the headstone. And it was like a bit, uh, I don't know. <coughs> I was trying to rub it off so I can see what the name was. And as I put my hand in the area of this, it was like a family plot. Mm-hmm. My hand was roasting. You know, it was it was roasting, and I didn't. I pulled it away quickly, and I remember saying to my, um, I think it was my son was with at the time. I goes, go and just put your hand over that area and see what you feel. And again, him putting his hand in, he said, my hand's warm. He goes, yeah, it's freezing out here. Mm-hmm. Goes, if it wasn't being disrespectful, I would jump in to get some heat. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, that's the only thing I've had at a cemetery. I don't. I've got to admit, I sometimes don't believe that when people pass, and that's my own belief, when people pass, I don't believe they're going to be buried with a body at a cemetery. Mm-hmm. That person's going to go back to where 
they last remembered or where they last had a happy memory or if it's untragic that happened, they might go back and relive that event again, like it was a car crash or something. Um, they might go back to reliving that. Um, there was a programme on Sky called The Rising uh, about a girl that's been murdered and she's trying to find out who killed her. Mm-hmm. And I've got, I've got to admit, for a while before that programme came on, I used to think maybe that's what some spirits do if they've been killed. They're maybe trying to find out who's killed them or trying to let people know. Yeah. You know, like... If like come forward and saying like people think they're getting a fright for something, but they're not. They're trying to grab their attention to try and say, "Look, this is not how this happened. It's happened like this," and they're mm-hmm. trying to grab the attention to that. Um, I've had that happen a few times myself. Um, I was at a, a we was at Markham Winter Gardens Theatre, and I was <laughs> it's going to sound quite funny, but I was I was in a, a coffin. <laughs> It was a prop from the and a show from years ago because this theatre had shut down for a while. Mm-hmm. And on the stage, I had Morecambe and Ernie Wise, uh, Morecambe and Wise um, performing on the stage, and uh, I think um, a few other famous names have performed on the stage. And all I could think of was like, I'm, I'm, I'm not getting nothing because this is a happy atmosphere. So I thought, yeah, I'll line this coffin behind the st- on the stage behind the curtain. That's not a problem. Mm-hmm. And all I could, all I could see was suddenly when it was all dark. I could hear cars going past the the back door mm-hmm. of the theatre where they bring in all the props and things. I could see all these boy racers racing past. And then all of a sudden, it just went quiet. And I, and and I could all, all I could see was this guy doing the pulley action, mm-hmm. right? And he slipped, and he's got caught in the ropes, and he's hung, mm-hmm. you know. And somebody was somebody said to me that that basically there was somebody that actually committed suicide by hanging himself after one of the shows. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, if this is right what I'm seeing here, it goes, and I'm the expert, but I think this guy's trying to communicate by saying, look, it was an accident. I never committed suicide. Aye. And Aye. I've heard that three other people have experienced the same thing. Not lying in the coffin, obviously, Aye. but Aye. <laughs> Aye. they've experienced the same thing. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a way of thinking. And it's the same with... Um, the Lytton Phil uh, Library in Newcastle. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, as strange as a toilet where a lot of people have seen this guy hang, hanging as well, he's being hung. And I remember saying that I had this feeling like this guy was hung because he, he was found that he was gay. And mm-hmm. at the time, that was a bad thing. That was, you're not allowed to be gay or nothing. Mm-hmm. You had to be straight, nothing else. Mm-hmm. And this guy was hung because of his sexuality, which was, well, in this day and age, is wrong. No. But then it was like the thing that happened. No, and no. again, it was it was like this guy was come forward. And again, I've heard that a few other people have felt the same thing, that this has been no accident. It's not been the guy who's hung himself, committed suicide. He's been murdered, basically. Murdered, like, yeah. it's, it's pretty... Ah, it's pretty weird. Ooh, all the kind of um, ghost stories you've heard right across the world and kind of everything you've read through probably all your, your time through if maybe childhood up, not being interested in the subject and stuff like that. What um, ghost story sticks in your mind the most? Uh, I've heard that many recently that it sticks. It's like um, there's, the, there's many about the Lone Piper um, I can't remember what castle it is, but there was a guy that, a young boy, that used, there wasn't a piper, so it was a drummer. 
Um, and he'd play the drums in the the Lord of the Castle. Liked this boy playing the drums, but uh, he would he would play a drop the drums for this 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 laird or this lord and that. And when there was enemies approaching, he would sound the alarm uh, using the drums and warn this castle going to be under attack. Mm-hmm. And I remember hearing about this this guy was captured, and he would play the drums to warn, keep warning that this was going to happen. They end up losing his hands. Mm-hmm. End up chopping his hands off, so he couldn't warn anybody about the advances of people going to attack. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I, I know this. I can't remember what castle it was, but you can still hear like drum beats now and again mm-hmm. in this area. Um, I'm trying to think of a ghost story that I can. That um, see, there's been that many. I've heard. I can imagine it's like probably somebody saying to me about the UFO thing. We all amalgamate. Bannerburn Houses is one that uh, I keep hearing about Mabel um, wondering about. Mabel's maybe a maid that's wondered. And she makes herself known every so often. And um, there's a lot of ghost stories around about her, how what she used to stay in the house and things like that. Um, that I keep we keep seeing evidence. Well, I see see evidence. We keep getting things happen that we could mm-hmm. assume that's Mabel, as we've been told, um, happening. Um, but I'm just I'm stumped on actually a ghost story that's actually stuck in my mind. It's there's that many, as I say, over the years that I've heard. Um, some. And you're probably think, not, you're probably not scared of them anymore because you've been through them that much. <laughs> in the I, same time. I think the one at um, in England, the oh, the one that's the Conjuring Two is based on is it East on Lane? The one about the girl that was getting thinking about the poltergeist and just, ah, that's right. Uh, his pictures getting chucked off her bed. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that is thing, and then there's a Pendle Witch stories as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's some of these of kind of stuck. Would you would you ever consider um, doing an investigation on something? I wouldn't say it's UFO related, but if it was maybe, um, well, maybe external, but maybe some kind of phenomenon related. Um, but it might be ghost related, but you maybe don't know what it is. I'm all, it's quite a funny question, that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm always open to investigate anything that's paranormal. Um if it's basically trying to get that proof really at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, if if I went out to uh, investigate some paranormal, uh looking for evidence, say maybe ghostly happenings, like there's um the road down towards um Stranraer, the I can't remember the road name. But there's been that many sightings on that, uh, like people walking in front of cars and mm-hmm. people with no heads walking about, you know. And uh, if I went down to investigate that and then came across like evidence of, like a UFO, mm-hmm. for example, that would still be a win for me, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, there's there's a there's a few places. The reason I'm asking that there are a few places like not too far from here or like close by. You know what I mean that. I wouldn't mind actually looking at it. Don't the aspect of looking for UFOs or anything like that, but just to see what's there, or maybe do some type of kind of night vigil there or whatever. Um, there's a, I mean, just because of the fact that they're extremely weird places and uh, weird things have happened over the years, and it's just to maybe try and see if if uh, what what you find 
know what I mean? So it's things like that. So yeah. I actually see when, when you're when I mentioned now, um, your first podcast that I listened to about the, is it the Silver Man. Yeah. That had quite intrigued me. That's, and that's the place. I, it's something that I would probably want to experience myself, you know, and see if I can, if it would happen. But um, as I say, there's there's always going to be something else that might happen when you're looking for that, you know. Um, my friend Carl, he, um, during lockdown and things like that, I said to him, I go, right, because you can do, you know, the history stuff and you look at the facts about paranormal, take control of the, the group page and just post something each day to try and keep everybody, you know, entertained. Yeah. Or can educated in different things that maybe you'll find that they maybe know known of. And uh, he'd actually went out to different places, um, like in, he stays in Kippen. And there's a lot of places around about where he stays that has had a lot of like um, activity. Mm-hmm. Um, and just recently he was out for a drink with his wife, uh, a meal, not with his wife. And he, he spoke to the, the the girl when she was coming along with the food because it was a, an old building. He asked his, just out of curiosity, just jumping about, he says, are there any ghost stories in here? And she says, as a matter of fact, and sat down and spoke to him about a few things. Aye. You know, so, and he keeps saying, like, we're going to have to do an investigation here and, um, he got told about uh, there's a bar up in Inverary. Um, the woman contacted him saying, oh, we've had this happen at the weekend. And yeah. went, up, went straight up that night to sit down and talk to her about it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> All the way to to get a ghost story. But as I say, that's, I'm, I'm open to do these things. You know, it's, well, just now things that have happened. Uh, like I, was, I spoke to you earlier on about a fact, my ankle. Uh, my wife's been a bit poorly. So it's kind of refrained things from me, me doing things just now. But I really want to get out there and and investigate places like, as I say, your first podcast is about the Silver Man. Is it really? I, I got me gripped, you know, and I was I was really interesting. Well, that place with the Silver Man, um, where that happened, that was that was eighty eight, right? But up there, I mean, there's like there's, there's ancient burial mounds up there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got Kieran Papa, and there's ancient burial mounds found in that bit as well. So the mad thing with that is when the thing with me is, but it was years and years ago. I, I've related it in other podcasts as well, but I think I might have just briefly related it in that podcast. But there was, um, it was like twenty years prior, and I was just out running, and I got to. It was like I've read about it more like recent years. Not I mean maybe like like I mean, maybe about five years ago or something. I read a bit about it as well, and it's coming up more prevalent now. People talking about the Oz factor and, and things like that, but. It was, I had nothing like that in my mind at all. I was just out for a run and it was like coming to this bit and it was like, you could feel, it's strange. It was like, this. they could feel it, the fear or the dread to go on any further for some reason. And it was like, and I cut my run short and came back and I wasn't, it was like during the day and I wasn't looking for paranormal stuff. I was just out running. And, um, and it was the first time I ran in that wood and I never ran in it since. And it was like, it was a hundred, it was probably about 50, 100 metres before this guy had seen it. And um, I, like, I didn't even know what it was, but the other thing, the other kind of mad thing with that is that um, when I was talking about, my wife's no into anything. She's kind of like, she'd rather, she's, she believes in stuff, but she'd rather not know anything, right? Because yeah. she just probably scared her and stuff. But she, when I was talking about it, and I kind of relate that wood, and she was like, ah, was that that there? That? She goes, that is, it's funny for her to say it, she goes, that is a strange place. And then 
I was on holiday there, which is quite, this is just, it was just, I was talking to my mate at night, the night about it, but I was on holiday there and one of my kids, he's only 10, and he, I'd met, he was talking about something and I, I didn't relay any stuff about the podcast and I let him know about stuff and I wasn't getting scared or anything like that, um, but he knows I, I, I can't do stuff, but he had mentioned, I had a Bigfoot t-shirt on, right, and he, and he had to kind of um, come up and, I was in a motorhome and he had to come up and my wife says, oh, if you're sitting in the front seat, you need to kind of keep the driver occupied. And um, and I was sitting with, with that one. I said, what do you want to talk about? Let's talk about Bigfoot. And I was all my carry on. And I, I never remember when I got to talk about Bigfoot, but I just had my carry on. And he said, do people believe in it? I said, I well, some people do believe in it. And he says, is it just, I don't know. I goes, well, I goes, but some people think it exists and all that kind of stuff. And I, and I said, even I said even somebody thought they'd seen a kind of mere recent local when I said up at Bathgate Hills. And before I even said the place, he said, that is a strange place. That's where I seen the man. And I said, what do you mean? And before I'd done that podcast, I thought it was like, maybe it must have been now, it's maybe about two years ago. I yeah. took them in there to actually have a look around about the place to see if it was the same place I had that experience been about 20 years ago. So I went around with the kids and stuff like that. And, and he said, um, he said, that's where I seen the man or the thing or whatever. And, and I kind of, I thought he was pulling my leg. But he was, he's not the kind of kid to lie or anything like that or, or kind of bull. Oh. And I said, well, what was it like? And he said, well, when you were, he goes, well, as we ruined that, he said, when you were walking with Zach further ahead, he says, I looked through this tree, there was a tree and I had a gap between the two trees or something, or, or like a, a bit you could see through. And I said, I seen this bald man. And I said, what did he look like? He goes, well, he, he was grey. He said he, was, he, had, he had a dark grey face. And I kind of thought he was going to maybe say it was like an alien or something like that. But he said, no, he, had, he said, I had round eyes like an owl. And I, and I ran away to catch up with you, right? And I, and I said to him, I was like, ah, I said, are you, are you being serious? And he said, I totally. I said, I goes, why didn't you tell me at the time? And he said, because I didn't think you'd believe me. So I never said. But he was totally deadpan serious. Right? Uh-huh. And I'm just thinking, like, apart from that, though, I mean, that's maybe just, he might have seen something and it might have thought he looked at that. And I mean, you could easily rationalise it and all that kind of stuff. But the place is pretty odd. You know what I mean? And, and there's been, there's just been odd stuff. And, the other thing is, as I read, read another one um, briefly, was where I went back up. I was going up there and I was just maybe just having a wee walk up after I'd done the podcast and I'd hear one around, take pictures up my night, taking pictures of the sunset. And I bumped into a couple who had seen stuff. And I thought they were going to relay a story about um, it was just a happen chance bumped into them. And, I, and I made a, they made a comment about, did I get good pictures? And I, and I basically started talking about cameras and stuff like that. And I walked, I was talking about the trails. I said, that trail lead to the top? But I wasn't used to one of the trails. And they said, aye. And I I say just, off happen chance, or hopefully the silver man doesn't get me. And that's, and and the woman, I seen the woman stop, just, what what have you seen like? Have you seen something? And I just said, I wasn't saying that in the podcast, but I said, oh, some some guy had seen something a number of years ago. Mm -hmm. And then I was continuing to walk and and she looked at her husband, she goes, well, we've seen something. And I thought they were going to come up with some cryptid story, but it, it wasn't. It was they actually seen they'd seen like a UFO or something. They said they'd seen a large sphere the the previous October. It went down behind the hill. They didn't see. They're not saying it went down landing behind that hill, but it was just out of sight behind the kind of obviously the horizon line of that bit of hill. Yeah. And the guy had seen other stuff as well at the back of Bathgate. I mean, they laid a number of different cases, and they were going to come on and, and, and on the podcast and then they didn't they, they didn't get in touch with me. I actually get, I gave them an e- email address and stuff like that. They didn't get in touch with me. And I, I scoured the hills until I found them again. And he, and he, and he, 
like when I was up there run, running and stuff like that. But he just said, he goes, I didn't kind of feel comfortable kind of telling the stories. I just, I will come on at some point. But he told me some other stories and that, and like totally interesting. Like, and uh-huh. it's just a, a mad place. But listen, I, I really appreciate you coming on and uh, thanks for your time. Um, we've gone through all the, all the kind of stuff and it's, it's interesting for me as well because it's never been, I, I do believe in ghosts and stuff like that, but it's just never been an aspect that I've always kind of followed around it. I do. For me, I think it falls into a lot of other mix today. I do respect other people's like beliefs in that, but I think it just kind of it, it jumps in and, and jumps across a lot of different paranormal camps. I think for you know, what I'm doing and, and it as well. But uh, I, I do appreciate your time coming on, and maybe hopefully get you up to that. But at some point, we'll do something. Well, anytime we've got a ghost in the future or a paranormal investigation, as they call it, we'll get you along as one of our guests for the night. And aye, definitely. I'd be up for that. Aye. aye. That's not a problem. Um, we'll get along. Right, brilliant. Well, listen, I'll I'll catch up with you soon, and uh, thanks for coming on at uh, this time of night. Okay, well, listen.